You are listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. And today we are continuing our series through the Nine Marks Building Healthy Churches book series. Woohoo! Today we're going to be looking at the book Discipling. It's the blue one. The blue one. There, There's multiple blue ones. Is there? That was kind of a blue periwinkle, whatever. It's the navy blue book called Discipling, How to Help Others Follow Jesus by Mark Dever. Uh, Copyright is 2016 on the one in my hand, published by Crossway. Uh, I'm looking at the pages. What's like a hundred and something pages? Yeah. Another easy read. That's what I love about all these books. 114 pages? 113? We're getting there. Anyway. Give or take of the appendix, 120 with notes. And you listen to it. I listen to it on audio. Audible, so, so. cool. And you read it. I do. That's why I have a so. bunch of notes written in my book. You usually have notes written in your book. I've got so some was... highlights in here. I paused a couple times and wrote some things down, but I like this book. What just out of the gate? What do you think, man? Well, um, I think that the book is helpful. Okay. I think Mark Dever contributed to some things in the area of discipling and discipleship that are good, I think he missed some things. Not in discipleship so much, but what he could have done. Okay. I think it'd be helpful if we jump. I'm going to go to uh, page 19. Here's his thesis. Here's what he set out to do. Page 19, it says, The goal of this book is to help you understand biblical discipling and to encourage you in your obedience to Christ. So uh, I do think based on his, his goal, the aim, he, he hit it. Okay. His goal was to help us understand biblical discipling. And I think it did encourage this sense of obedience. What I, because, oh, Here's why. Because he, most of this book is, here's a biblical argument for this. Here's what discipling is. Here's some, some scripture that supports it. Here's some big 30,000-foot things. What he didn't do exceedingly well, in my opinion, is give a lot more handles or jumping off places for people who don't really have never done this. I don't know what to do. Uh, I think some, he gave some, Hey, how about this? How about right. that? But I don't, I don't think he gave a really good how to, not that these books are always about a how to, sure. no. but of all the books to have some how to, this one could have used some how to. Sure. I think Mark Dever just missed it. It that. was, I see that it was definitely some front end heavy on kind of what is discipleship? Why is it biblical? Who should do it? But not a lot on the application piece on like how they're a little bit, a little touch and go there. But nothing too, too heady on the application. Yeah, because he's got. I'm looking at just the table of context. Uh, what is discipling? Part one, which I do want to jump into that because he does sure. have some good mm-hmm. definitions and contributions that I think are, are helpful. Uh, part two, where should we disciple? And the idea there is he's saying like, is this a part of the local church? Is this uh, pastors, pastors and members? He kind of has a lot of discussion on what's happening in that zone. It, it's not a huge thing. Small, yeah. small part. And then <clears throat> how should we disciple? Right. That starts on page 73. Yeah. So he gives, you know, and then the conclusion picks up. He has a great conclusion by Jonathan Lehman, which yeah. that is a really good addition. So he's got about 25 pages of a 100-page book. So he gave about a sure. quarter of the <laughs> discipling book. Right. Uh, to how should we do it when I think most of the people picking up this book right. are saying, you know, I do realize we probably need a disciple. So he probably could have spent 10% on the, 20% even on what is discipling and biblical stuff, then do the same thing he did with the, the part two, and then part three could have been, you know, 40% of sure. the book. I think that would have been a more helpful approach. 
Well, let's dive in, man. Part one was talking about what is discipling, and you kind of touched on that a little bit with the thesis statement. Well, um, so here's what I here's what I think was really helpful. He gives a working definition, and actually, all of these books, most of them, if I can if I can recall all the ones we've read so far, have provided some definition of the terms. Yep. And so his working definition of discipling, I don't think you know Jiffy Lube Joe would go to these definitions because they're they're nuanced. But he says a working definition of discipling for this book is helping others to follow Jesus. So yeah. if I'm discipling someone else, the idea is I'm helping someone to follow Jesus. I like that. Uh, and then and then he, he says, okay, um, discipleship is a term I use to describe our own following of Christ. So discipleship is me following Christ. Discipling is me helping somebody else. Discipling is a subset of discipleship. So I, I get the definition. I, I think... I take that I take this from a little bit different approach, but I like those definitions. And I believe that the Bible makes it clear that Jesus disciplines his church or mm-hmm. disciples his church. Yep. We're all being discipled or brought into the the proper right following of Jesus Christ by Jesus himself through pastors, books, preaching, other people, uh, through the act of this discipling or discipleship. And I guess in in uh, Dever's terms, through the act we're Engaging in discipleship from Christ through the act of discipling from humans that Christ would be empowering in our lives. So, in this particular case, what Mark kind of misses is that even the discipler and the disciplee in that discipleship relationship are being grown by Christ. He hints at it later that the discipler can learn things. But I think if we take the front-end approach that we're all being discipled by Christ, that never ends then there's stuff to be gained across the board. He didn't do that. Well, he touches on it a little bit because he talks about how Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, be imitators of me while I'm an imitator of Christ. You know, And so that should be all of us. We should all be growing and learning from Christ. Right, and, and right. Because basically everyone in the church should be discipling someone in some way, you know, whether you're working in the nursery or, you know, actually having a one-on-one mentor relationship or preaching in the pulpit or making coffee for Sunday right, morning. Like, right. hopefully there's someone you can bring alongside you to kind of work with and mentor and help out. So from there, I would say part one really does a, a good job of saying this is what we see biblically. Right. This is what it is. This is what we should expect to see. This is why it's important. Yep. Um, Some great background there. Yeah. He does, a, he does lay a good foundation, which... I guess would be expected because he spends a great deal of time uh, laying that foundation. So then part two says, where do we disciple? Uh, so I like this. And before you get to part two, this plays into part two a little bit. Um, he has a section that's on page 33. This is, look, this is a note for pastors. You know, how do we do this? What does this look like? Why is this so important? So then when you get to the section in part two... I like the idea that discipleship is starting from the pulpit. Mm. And I don't know if he says predict specifically starting, but the idea is it's it's the word of God being proclaimed. That should have a discipling impact on us. And then right. if you're in that local church, you're able to go to lunch and say, hey, what really hit you from the sermon? And what did you learn? And what's God showing you here? And how are we applying that today in our lives? And we, you get to have a conversation. Right. Or maybe you actually incorporate that into more of what you're doing. Uh, maybe that's fostering questions. Maybe that's doing things. So I like that that it's not an act separate from the church. And Mark Dever, being serious about nine marks of a 
healthy church makes a really good argument that discipling is done within a church, although he also says there are spaces, although not as healthy and not ideal, where two people could get into a discipleship relationship apart from a church. And in my mind, I went to like when I was in the military and you're just in the foxhole and you don't have time to go to any kind of services for a 15-month deployment, you know. And sure. so maybe two Christians are getting together and saying, how do we do this together and how do we disciple and and what's here? Uh, but for the most part, the chief idea is it's happening in the church. So well, I like that. And that's or, what or, I, like. I mean, when I say in the church, sorry. When no. I say in the church, I don't mean in the, in the church building. Right. I mean in the church people. Yeah. So the preached word... Members of the church getting together in another environment, right. small groups. You know, it's the ministry of the teaching of the word is this discipleship across the board. Right. Well, and that's what I liked about part two, too, is it felt twofold. It felt like there was the pastors and how they disciple by being an example for the Lord's Supper and baptism and, and preaching God's word from the pulpit. But also, two, how church members kind of can disciple one another. I thought about two of our... Uh, members of our church who work together you know oh, yeah monday yeah. through friday they're at work together and so they're able to have conversations throughout the week about the sermon about church about life you now know. here's what i like though i'm going to read this quote uh this is significant 52 page 52 he he makes an argument that it's unwise to be discipling apart from a church okay and i think we'd all expect mark dever to make that argument we could anticipate what it would be it is but he says this it is unwise to do discipling without a church, or excuse me, if it is unwise to do discipling without a church, it's worse to do church without discipling. Ooh. I think it's cool that he's saying, look, these go together. Right. And if you don't have them, he's saying it's actually worse to only have a Sunday service, uh, preaching, maybe a bunch of activities that are not intended to help people follow Jesus and grow more like him. He's saying, look, that's way worse. And there's right. a lot of churches that are in that boat. Right. So I read that, and I'm like, Ooh, okay, where are we at? Okay, we got these small groups. We've got this. we got that. Like, how are we doing? That's a helpful way to look at that. These go absolutely together. So in that part two section of the where, right. man alive, it's it's the this is the chief idea within the church and not apart from the church, and the church should be doing it. So I found that to be helpful. What did you find in the how-tos in the in the part three section to okay. be the most helpful? Awesome. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you had anything else on part two before I jumped to part three. I feel like I'm always moving too far ahead. Nah, I talk too much. But uh, no, I liked part three. And what I liked about part three was just how he makes the case to just choose someone, you know, find someone to disciple, you know. And then just he gives some basic clear steps on how to make that work, you know, how to pick somebody. You know, you can you can pick somebody who's the same gender as you. Obviously, you know, men should be discipling men. You know, I, I don't think I should be going around discipling young women, right, as right. a married husband well, and father. Before you even but, get that far, he says, look, start with somebody in your household. Right. I remember sitting with you, and we'd say, like, how are you doing discipling to right. those? How are your disciples doing discipling to others? And you'd say, well, you know, I'm discipling to my wife, and I'm discipling to my daughter, and this is what yeah. they're doing, how they're That's so significant for not only the husband who should be leading in his home and discipling in his home, but for parents with their kids. Or if you're, yeah. if you're, uh, you know, a single mom saying, look, I want to help my kids follow Jesus. Or if you're married to an unbeliever, how do I help my family? And how do I, if the goal is we're helping each other follow Jesus, why wouldn't that happen in the places where we right. live together all the time? Don't neglect the people that are right there in front right. of you. And then he, trying he goes to find somebody. The, some of those things you're talking about, right. like similarities or, 
same sex. But then he, you know, but then he encourages too. I mean, obviously, you know, men should be discipling men, but he says find somebody different from you, right? Like I think there's something to be said for somebody that maybe has different hobbies than you do, right? You know, or different interests. I think that can help grow you a little bit. You know, different if, stages of if life. If I want to, yeah, somebody's older or wiser, or maybe. I want to learn more about evangelism. I'm not going to pick someone who's introverted and shy like me. I want somebody who's bold and <laughs> loves door knocking, who you know wants to share the gospel. So there's something to be said there. Um, and then just lay, laying out clear understanding of what you're going to disciple through and what you're going to go through. You know, on page 84, he talks about how you can use Christian books. There's a lot of great books and resources on discipling. You know, I see people Which, use different things all the time. Here's one. Right. Here's, a, here's a book. <laughs> I think you know? all these little nine marks books make good books for this. But then he made the point of like, you know, a lot of these great books just point back to the Bible. So, I mean, you can just start with the Bible. You can go through a book of the Bible with somebody. You don't have to look for some special curriculum to go through. Right. Hey, let's read this together. Yeah. Well, so even this book, so if you go to the, if you go to like the very back, there's the... The scripture index, but what I like about a good portion of the way Dever has written this book is he's got a lot of biblical references after things he's saying and quoting. You yeah. could go through this book and say, well, let's go there and read that together. Let's look at the scripture that he's talking about. Let's let's do you know this, that, or the other thing. But I do like the idea, personally, let's drive into actual biblical right. study together. Right. But he goes in, so so I've been working on this, and he didn't really have, I wish he would have had a, a definition for this, because I've been working on trying to think through this. So my thoughts lately is you have this formal discipleship relationship, like, oh, we're going to go through the book of John together, and sure. we're going to use a Bible study bookmark from the church that we use, or we're going to use this... Um, a coma method or a something. soap method. I was going to say the serendipity analogy. study Bible, oh, yes. the Life Connection study Bible. Okay, yeah. it has questions, so we're going to... Yeah, there's a formal sense of we sit down sure. at this time, we go to the coffee shop, but then there's this informal discipling, this practical discipling that I've found that if you only have the one, things are lacking. Sure. What do you do when some guy you know comes home or comes to the, sits down with you at the coffee shop and it turns out while you're going to be studying the book of John and looking at this, that, or the other thing, he says, man, uh, I don't know how I'm going to make my car payment this week because I just got fired from my job and how do you, you know, or... Some life explosion has come up. Yeah, how do you walk with somebody and say, okay, in following Jesus, this is what the Christian does, and this is what the Bible says, and let's talk through that, and let's pray through that, and let's ask questions, and let's just unpack some of this. How are you doing? Or maybe, hey, I just got this great promotion. I'm not sure if I'm able to do the job I'm getting promoted to, and I'm feeling insecure, or this thing, or that thing, or I'm celebrating. The informal stuff right. is just the life stuff. Right. You know, and he had talked about some of that, the that you kind of like that bringing somebody along, sure. right? Yeah. And that's where I like where in chapter nine, he talks about, you know, pay the cost is what he calls that. And it's just understanding like discipleship's not something that you just, you just go out and do just like randomly. Like there's an investment there. It takes time. It takes effort. You've got to maybe study that text a little bit. Um, it's going to require prayer. Hopefully you're starting and leading and ending with prayer and, and love for that person. You know, if, if I don't genuinely love and care about that person, I'm not going to be very helpful when his life explodes. Right. You know, I, right. I need to have a vested interest in, in my brother or sister in Christ and, and wanting to see them succeed. And a love for Christ. Yeah. And a love like, for Christ. I mean, I, that sounds silly, but some people just love the information or the Bible or the systematic theology. Sure. And so they want someone else to learn that or they want someone else to learn the culture of Christianity. And, and if you're trying to disciple them into Christ and to be into that image and to follow Jesus, then they have to have... A love for Christ. They have to see that you have a love for Christ. Well, and right? a, good, a good point in that too is just, I mean, we've discipled different people over the years. There are some people that just take it and take off in it and grow 
you know, exponentially. And then there's some people that you feel like you're going around the mountain with them year after oh, yeah. year after year. How many so, times are we going to talk about this? One thing, I know we're getting kind of close on time, but I want to talk about the, that raising up leaders prior in the end, you chapter, know, because we talked about that. Chapter 10. Chapter 10, where um, I said bringing people alongside. Like we talked about, you know, he was saying that he kind of lets people shadow him, Mark Dever, while he's writing sermons, while he's working through things. Yeah, I've actually, so that can be a hit or miss. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. In two different circumstances I've seen where where in some cases uh, that, which is a good thing. So I've seen Mark Dever and he'll bring somebody along uh, like on an airplane and then when he's working then the other person can talk with the person next to him, but that person's traveling with him. Right. And so that person's with Mark. Some people have taken that and I've kind of seen some of this back and forth. Some have taken that to be like, Mark, are you just using this individual to do other things? And you sure. know, they're not. maybe, maybe not. But what a great opportunity! That person's right. traveling, hanging out, doing whatever. But just recently, Mark Dever came out to a pastors conference out here to Utah, and I got to meet the guy that was going with him, like just traveling, helping him. They get time to talk. Those people are doing work. Sure. And they're not just they're not just sitting around watching everything. But you're getting full access to somebody who is a great preacher and pastor, and you know is knowledgeable just and seeing the stuff that he's yeah. saying. I did ask him Seen like how often you. How often you've seen some of this? He's like, oh, I've seen some of this a lot. However, I get to talk with Mark about this thing or that thing or ask more questions or what about how this worked. And they yeah. get time. Sure. And so, so Dever will give time to a person to say, hey, come with me and I'm going to invest in you. And it does take extra work. I mean, even getting on an airplane, getting him a hotel room or traveling in the car to this meeting somewhere across town or opening up the notes for the sermon and saying, hey, this is what I'm planning on doing or this didn't work very well or how about that or... That's just helpful. Which is great if, you, if you're a young and upcoming pastor or you're somebody that thinks they want to go into ministry. But what about the, the woman that's just wanting to see what marriage looks like? Or, you know, did, did, does your <laughs> wife take her while she goes grocery shopping or doing I, the dishes together? I think that could be a thing. I know some people do that. I wish I could do that better. We've done, actually, that's not true. I mean, we've, my wife, my wife, we've done that. My wife wanted to see what a healthy marriage looked like. And, and, and all that. And she ended up moving in right before we got married. She We were dating. She moved in with a couple just to kind of see how did you run your home? What did this look like? How did that's you take care of things? Outstanding. More power for the couple. <laughs> the more, hey, that's awesome. I'm more along the lines for me of like, hey, uh, Josiah, I got to run over here to, to Costco and pick up a bunch of tr- stuff for the church. Sure. You want to go with me and help me? And we'll pick right. it up. We'll talk. We'll spend time together. Sure. Maybe we'll grab a cup of coffee or a burger or something. Yeah. And then we'll come back. I remember the guy that discipled me did that. Hey, you want to go help me? Sure, just come and see. Nothing big. We weren't sitting down. We're actually doing chores together. We're working together. I have a little harder time with the idea of like, come and completely be involved in the intimacy of my life. Right? Uh, like, I mean, I had this young man who was excited about that. He was going to get married. Wanted to do the same type of thing. But he didn't yeah. want to move in. He just said, hey, I just want to hang out with you. And like, I don't care if you're just doing laundry. I'll just sit in, you know, in your laundry room and I'll be there in case you want to say something. Or, you know, I don't know. I just want to see how you work with your kids and what life looks like and what it looks like when you get in a fight with your wife. And, and That's I'm like, a little too close. I'm like, uh, <laughs> so first of all, if you're there while I'm getting in a fight with my wife, I'm not showing you what it means to be a good husband. Like you not need to that. Not be there. You might end up being some collateral damage. Like <laughs> I, I don't like, know. I mean, Crystal, these people had kind of a mother-in-law set up, so she was kind of in their basement. But it did open the door to have those conversations. Same type of conversations you're saying you would have with somebody in the car on the way to Costco. Yeah, like it'd be know? better to say, "Hey, man," so, uh, if he says, "Hey, what happens like when you and your wife fight?" Oh, well, right. it kind of goes like this. Then sure. I can protect my wife's. You know, oh, yeah. stuff. I can protect me. Like, but. There is a reality that you can't disciple very well if you're not around or with the people that you're sure. discipling. Right. And so I think having an ongoing 
real relationship. And then also having that formal sure. piece. So maybe that formal piece happens once a week. You know, I, I think that's a real key, what you just said there. A real relationship. The genuineness. You know? Yeah. People don't want to see somebody that looks perfect, that has it all together. Like, I, I'm the discipling expert. No, None of you, us are that guy. Then you show up and go, hi, <laughs> I'm the discipling expert. Let's open to John chapter 4. Here's our word study guide. Here's yeah. our book. And then when you're done, I'll pray for you. We'll leave. I want to be <laughs> discipled by somebody who's had the same kind of struggles in life I've had. You know? Yeah. Job issues, family issues, parenting issues. One more know. thing. We're running out of time here, man. But what did you think about uh, Jonathan Lehman giving the conclusion? I thought Jonathan was, Lehman being a that guy that Mark cool. discipled. Right? I mean, if you're going to have a disciple book, why not have somebody that you've discipled contribute to it? So I thought that was really great, just kind of shifting gears at the end of the book there. To just have Jonathan Lehman stand up and go, you know what? I've seen this stuff in action. Mark does a great job. This stuff's true. Like, here's how it's helped me. I it lended it, some good credit. Now, yeah. if Jonathan Lehman was... You know, don't listen to this not guy. Not <laughs> following Jesus, like you right. go, well, who cares? But no. To, okay, Jonathan Lehman's been discipled by yeah. Mark Dever, and he says it's, it's like a real deal. I, I think we talked about this on the Time Hop once. You know, we all know Billy Graham, but who led Billy Graham to Christ, or Look, led the guy that led Billy Graham yes, to Christ? So, that's kind of the situation. There. That's the whole point. So at the end of the day, we should all be discipling somebody. And I hope, if anything, this book might encourage you to kind of start a discipleship relationship with someone because you realize you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be passionate and love Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.